Pastor Jeff and team, beautiful job. And thank you for being here. It's wonderful to have you here today, and it's wonderful to have you tuning in wherever you may be. I'd like you to take your Bibles and head back to 1 John 3. We're concluding that chapter, going into chapter 4. And it's only a five-chapter book, so we will get through the entire letter. We're talking about blessed assurance. It always kind of um, disturbs me, and it makes me, and makes me kind of sad that a lot of Christians live without assurance of their salvation. It's hard to be good, bold witnesses if we're not sure ourselves. So we're learning about light, love, and life with Christ. And today we have a brand new verse we're going to learn together, 1 John 4, 4. I'm sure most of you, if you've been in church much, have heard this verse. Maybe you're more akin to the King James rendering of the second half, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But let's read this whole verse together. We'll be learning it over the next couple of weeks, and we'll throw some blanks in next week. You ready? You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, as we go through the message today, I'll clarify who those are, who is in you, who is in the world. So we're going to be learning that together. Last week we talked about true love, or as uh, the priest said in The Princess Bride, true love, okay? What does true love look like? It's sacrificial, it's sensitive, it's secure. Today, greater is he, that's going to drive me crazy. I'm going to clean that up. There we go. Jeff's going to introduce a brand new song to you at the end. We're going to learn it as a new chorus for our church. I stumbled across it several years ago. Um, love this little song, and so you'll learn it. Um, I didn't know it before, and so it'll be new for us here, I think, for most of us. Throughout this little letter, John is expressing the importance of right belief and right action as evidence of genuine Christianity. And as we read this, I want you to understand that John is speaking about some people who claim to be Christians, but their beliefs are astray from the truth of the faith. And they've begun to lead some of the Christians in and around Ephesus, where John is writing, astray. And so John is saying, look, don't believe everything they say. Don't believe every promise you hear. You know, false prophets and false promises are everywhere. Uh, has anybody else been offered a couple of million dollars from a guy in Nigeria in your email account? Anybody? I, I keep getting an offer and no money. I guess it's because I won't give him my bank account, right? But all of these false promises come along. I, I don't know how many false promises are spinning out there, but it's got to be in the millions or billions that are just out there. In fact, false promises even from preachers from some very, very well-known preachers. They stand up and they say things like, plant your seed, and to them a seed is $1,000. I don't know why it's always $1,000, but give to my ministry, plant your seed, and, and you'll be healed, or God will give you the promotion. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Whatever it is, you can have it. It's yours. You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. Well, thank you, Pastor Oprah. I mean, come on. What's going on in this world? All of these false promises, it's like uh, spiritual spam, if you will. And it needs to go in your junk folder and you need to delete it because it's junk. So how do we discern between true and false, between right and wrong? 
Well, we have to have a standard outside of ourselves or we become relativistic. We have to have a greater standard, and there is a greater standard. God is the standard. The Word of God reveals true versus false, right versus wrong. And so let's see what God has to say. Do you feel settled into your pew now? Are you right? Are you feeling good? They're not really that comfortable. We should replace them. But, you know, you're settled in. Let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's Word. I'm concluding chapter 3. Verse 24 really goes best with um, chapter 4 up to 6 because remember when this is written, no chapter verses, no numbers. This was just a letter. And so they split this one a little funny. It's a connecting statement. Verse 24 uh, transfers us from talking about abiding in him and he in us, and it moves us into talking about the Spirit of God and, and the greater... Um, the greatness of the Spirit in us. So let's see that transition. Verse 24, Now he who keeps his, God's commandments, abides in him, abides in God, abides in Christ, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us. So watch, watch this movement. We can know that we know that we know by the Spirit, capital S, whom he has given us, the Holy Spirit. Beloved, do not believe every spirit But test the spirits, whether they are from God. Now watch, those false spirits speak through false prophets. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that's incarnation language, is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. He's speaking of specific heresy I'll unpack in a moment. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Not just the Antichrist, he's not here yet, but the spirit of Antichrist, which you've heard was coming and is now. The spirit of him is already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, those false spirits, those evil lying spirits, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. But we are of God, and he who knows God hears us. He who does not know of God, or uh, yes, who is not of God, does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth, and likewise we know the spirit of error. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, these words were so important 2,000 years ago as the Holy Spirit inspired John to pen them. But they are equally important today in our time, in our world, where truth has been sacrificed on the altar of tolerance and even celebration of sin. I pray that we would get back to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. Lord, we don't want to be wimps in our faith. We want to be strong soldiers of the cross, knowing that the gates of hell will not prevail against the true church. God, there's a lot to pray for today, and there's a lot that's weighing heavy on my own heart today. And I just pray that you would get me out of the way and that you would be able to speak whatever you desire to say to us in these moments together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and be seated. So how are we going to overcome these false teachers and false teachings in the world? Well, a couple of things we need to to lay into here, guys, and and if you've got your notes out, you can jot this down or your app or whatever it may be, but we can have confidence here because the Spirit of God lives in us. We have confidence 
There seems to be a lack of confidence in the spirit of the living God and the word of God. Even very well-known pastors will get asked questions and they'll, get, they'll be reporters or they'll be online or on television being asked, well, what about this? Very clear, very easy Bible questions. And they seem to waffle at times. But we can have confidence, assurance, comfort, peace. So look at the first half of 24. It has to do with the message I gave you way back in chapter 2 called Abide in Me. And I said, as a child of God, the promise of life, eternal life abides in me, and the person of the Holy Spirit abides in me, and the power of Jesus abides in me. And he's reiterating that. He said, now who keeps his commandments abides in him. And he in him. So as we're walking our faith in real life, there's this abiding. And by this we know that he abides in us. How can I know that I know? By the Holy Spirit. That's the capital S. The Spirit whom he has given us. We can know. Gnosko, we discussed that word last week. Intimate, personal knowledge. We can know that we know. The Holy Spirit of God inside of all true believers gives us internal assurance to corroborate the external testimony of true faith and active love and consistent obedience. But why is it so important to have confidence, not cockiness, confidence in the truth of our Lord? I'll tell you why it's so important. Because we live in a culture that is trying to deny objective truth. They try to do away with thus saith the Lord. You know, we, we, there are names for it, post-modernity. Some say we're in a post-Christian culture or relativistic culture. I get it, and there's all kinds of labels. But our world is arguing on whether any truth can really be known at all. Chuck Colson wrote some years ago that confusion over truth is the fundamental crisis of our age. Our culture clings to this groundless conviction that we can determine truth for ourselves. So people will say things like, well, who are you to tell me what's right and wrong? Listen, I'm nobody. I'm just going to go back to what God says is right and wrong because I don't know in and of myself, but he tells me. And so I'm nobody. But then others will say, well, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. It's not really hurting anybody. Why does it matter? Well, because we care about people and we want to see them know the one true and living God. And we want to see them grow in him here and be with him there. We want people to know the Lord. And those of us who believe in the Bible and Jesus Christ, We've committed our lives to him, and we want to walk in the truth, and we want to be alert, and we want to be vigilant because there's so much compromise. Today should not be a day of compromise. It should be a day of confidence. We know that God abides in us. We know that the spirit of the living God lives here, and it's not a force, and you don't get part of him now and part of him later. The moment you say yes to Jesus, all of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. He abides in you, and you abide in him. Yes, you can quench him. Yes, you can grieve him, but you learn to walk in the spirit. And, you know, we've got to be careful. We've got to be watchful. Some years ago, I won a little contest to get to go to New Orleans, and I was a teenager, and I went down there to sing. I was going to have a chance to sing in the Superdome, and it was a really cool experience, but I remember one of the guides warning us in our group. They said, now, people always try to take advantage down here, and we're at the end going to be praying for New Orleans today. 16 years beyond Katrina, they've got another storm that's looks like it may wallop them in the areas around, so we're going to be praying for the people there. I'm going to tell you some other things we're going to do, but... I was told, be very careful. There's a very common way they like to part you from your money. Somebody will came, come up to you and say, hey, man, I, I, I know, I'll bet you $10, I know where you got those shoes. 
And then your tendency would be, man, you don't know where I got these shoes. And they'll say, yeah, they're right there on your feet. And, they're, and then you're like, what? And they said, yeah, you owe me $10. I told you where you got them. They're on your feet. And so if you're not careful, they'll swindle you out of your money. And I thought, nobody's going to do that. Sure enough, I bet we hadn't been walking half a mile. Not half a mile over in the French Quarter, and guess what? Somebody comes up to me, hey, man, I, I, I bet you $10 I know where you got those shoes. And I said, yep, I got them right here on my feet. And he's like, oh, man, and they just want to mess with somebody else. You know, you got to be careful. Here's the thing. I would have probably lost some money if somebody had wanted to make a big stink of it because I didn't know that. Somebody had to warn me and say, watch out. And John, the beloved older pastor, is saying, look, Christians, be awake. Be watchful. Don't believe everything you hear. Check it out. Make sure it conforms to reality. Please listen very carefully right now. Do not believe everything you read or hear on Facebook or TikTok or Snapgram or Instaface or whatever's out there next, okay? I don't know what all the names of everything are, but I'm telling you, some of y'all are wearing me out, sending me messages. I love you, but what about this and what about that? What is the source, man? Some of y'all were listening to a pastor of a little tiny church that somehow became a military expert, and other pastors are somehow becoming medical experts. Hey, boys, if you're called to preach the Word of God, stay in your lane, okay? Get out of some of that mess, but some of y'all need to turn that stuff off. Be discerning. Our days are as dangerous or more so, spiritually speaking, as the days of John. We confront false teachers and false prophets and antichrist, plural, the spirit of those against Christ. We, we confront gullible folks at every turn. But we got to be spiritually discerning of and deeply committed to historic Christian truth and simultaneously Christian lifestyle. Today is in John's day. We start by confessing Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the only way to the Father. We love God and we love others and we live lives that honor the Lord and our neighbor. And to do less allows spiritual pickpockets to come in. If you think God is your cosmic genie and if you rub him the right way, you just get what you want, you've missed the God of the Bible and you're not enjoying the relationship with him you should be having. You see, Romans 8, 14 and following says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. You didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I've heard so many weird, unbiblical, even anti-biblical statements. Well, many roads lead to God. It doesn't really matter which one you take as long as you're sincere. Wrong! Well, we're saved, Pastor, if our good outweighs our bad. Wrong! Well, Christianity is not really superior to other religions. Wrong! Jesus isn't the only way to salvation. Wrong! There is no such thing as absolute truth. Anytime I've heard somebody say that, I'll say, did you mean that absolutely? Because that is an absolute truth statement. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Wrong. Well, what's sin for you may not be sin for me. Straighten up and fly right, you little sinner. Quit justifying what you're doing. Wrong. This stuff is crazy. 
Y'all acting like sprayed cockroaches out there going around trying all this to quit. Stop, or I'll bury you alive in a box. Some of y'all remember that. Okay. How, do you sh- how are you sure, Pastor, that you know truth from error? I have confidence because the Spirit of God lives in me. We have conviction because the Spirit of God confesses the incarnate Christ. Let me give you a word of clarity about something. The Spirit of God confesses the incarnate Christ. It is part of the role of the Holy Spirit to convict men and women and boys and girls of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. The Bible says there's only one unpardonable sin. It's not murder, it's not adultery, it's not even suicide. I'm not giving license to those things. I'm simply saying the unpardonable sin is called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I deny the witness of the Holy Spirit, and he says Jesus is who the Bible says he is. I deny his witness, and therefore it's unpardonable. Okay, If I die denying his witness. But we're going to have conviction, certainty, assurance because of this Spirit of God that confesses the incarnate, in flesh, Christ. Look at 1, 2, and 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they're of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, incarnate, is of God. Every spirit that doesn't confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. That's the spirit of Antichrist. And you've heard he was coming, and that spirit is already in the world. So listen very carefully, okay? This is important, what I'm about to say here. Christianity has rightly been characterized as a religion of love. But it is important to note that we are not to take that emphasis to an unhealthy extreme. If in the name of love, we uncritically accept every idea or value of others, we open ourselves up to error and it's no longer love. God never asks us to put our brains in neutral when it comes to our faith. We do not separate faith from reason. In fact, if anything in these days, non-believers and leftists are separating facts They are actually living in a world of fantasy. Listen to me. I'm about to say something that's very unpopular, and I could care less. There are not 58 genders, Facebook, and everybody else. You can't just put lipstick on a pig and make it a donkey, okay? You can't change things the way you think you want to. And it is child abuse. To anybody out there listening, for you to allow your child to do things now that would harm their body later. Just because my Lucy thinks she's a butterfly, I'm not dropping her off the top of the house and letting her float away. Do you understand me? We have gone crazy. Christianity accords with reality. And if you don't like it, well, you'll find some pansy out there pretending to be a preacher that'll tell you otherwise. But come back to the Word of God. God said he created the male and female, and that's the way he designed it. That's the way he designed marriage, too. But I know that's going to probably get somebody all uptight and you can write me praise God come on so John is appealing for love but placing a premium on truth not the wishy-washy truth that changes with cultural tide but the absolute certain truth of the Word of God and Paul echoes that tough-minded appeal when it comes to our faith he says look discern things test things judge things have the mind of Christ be tough in your faith here John says test the spirits, verse 1. 
The word test is a metallurgist term for checking the purity of metal. Make certain. Just because they say it's gold doesn't mean it's gold. Check it out. 1999, um, I was between finishing my degree in music and going to seminary, and so I taught for a little bit and did some student teaching in high school and then taught some elementary kids for a while. It was really a fun season. And uh, we, Cindy and I got to take 50 high school kids to New York City. We got to see some Broadway shows and do some, I think, vocal classes and other things. It was a, it was a fun trip, and um, we learned a lot about uh, those kids and had a good time. But I got to go to Chinatown. We were doing different things in the city, and one day I got to go to Chinatown, and y'all, I got me a brand new Rolex watch for $20. I mean, it was nice. And if I wore it, you'd say, boy, we're praying the preacher too much. Look at that. He's wearing a Rolex. It's just that if you got close to it, you'd see it going tick, 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 tick instead of the smooth Rolex motion. You know, when it finally broke, I, I, I couldn't take it to a jeweler. I was too embarrassed. I just threw it away because I didn't want to take it into a real jewelry shop. And the guy to look at me like, come on, buddy. You got to be kidding. This thing's super glued together. I can't open this up. I can't give you a new battery. I knew I knew it was a fake. It's $20. But there are people peddling spiritual truth that is absolutely fake and phony, and it's going to lead you down a path of destruction. Test the spirits. Pay attention. Does this align with the Word of God? Does what they're saying about Jesus mash up? Because here's the deal. The Holy Spirit testifies to the incarnate Christ. The Gnostics of John's day. Those who believe Gnostic, Gnosis, uh, knowledge, special knowledge. The Gnostics were said, hey, 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 we're Christians just like y'all. But you believe in some things wrong. They said things like this. Uh, you think that Jesus was born God. You think that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and at the moment of conception, Jesus was fully God and fully man. And John and others were saying, yeah, that's right. And they said, no, 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 no. No, God came on Jesus later. Some of them said it is baptism. Some of them said on the cross. They said Jesus was just a man, but he ascended to the place of God. There are some modern heresies that say that too, by the way. The other thing they said was this thing about Jesus rising bodily. No, 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 no. Jesus, the bones of Jesus are still in the ground. You can find them if you look hard enough. Jesus rose spiritually. And John said, no, we didn't. And so what John's trying to explain to these folks is don't listen to this garbage. You listen, some folks today, you're like, well, you know, the Mormons talk about Jesus and the Jehovah's Witnesses talk about Jesus. Now listen to me, y'all. They're talking about a different Jesus. I'm telling you, that is not the Christ of the Bible. And you say, well, that's not warm and fuzzy. Well, God didn't call me to be warm and fuzzy. Maybe God called me to be a porcupine preacher today, okay? Here's the thing. God is trying to tell us here through John, don't believe all of the hype. I was listening to the first football game we had a couple weeks ago, and I'm watching the game, and I'm watching the game, and all of a sudden, I hear Bob Bell call out. He was doing co color commentary on the radio, and I heard him calling, and Bobby Lewis, and I turned around like, hey, and he wasn't talking about me. He was talking about who used to be little Bobby, who's not so little now, who was going in, and I didn't even see it, but he wasn't talking about me. Just because they say, Jesus Christ, just because they have a Bible in their hand doesn't mean they're talking about the Jesus we know. you got to be sure and test the spirits. To be positive about Christ, we have to be negative about error. I'm not saying we indulge in theological witch hunts, but we know the Bible draws the line between truth and error. It's just like when people say, but he's an expert. Well, what does that mean? 
There was a guy, his name was uh, Sir Percival Lowell. At the turn of the 20th century, he was the most distinguished astronomer around, particularly on the red planet, Mars. He studied the planet most of his life. And he said that he believed that there were intelligently constructed, i.e. man-made or alien-made canals all over the surface of Mars. And so he began to study Mars using the telescopes of the day, particularly in Arizona. He spent a lot of his life. And he, he began to see and map out all of these man-made water canals, saying that clearly at one time there was intelligent life on Mars, possibly superior to humanity. Well, he was an expert, so nobody dared question him. These things began to be published. Now you'll find something different. See, space probes have now orbited Mars. We've now landed on its surface multiple times. Nearly the entire planet has been mapped, and no one has seen a water canal made by an intelligent civilization. How could Lowell have seen so much that wasn't really there? First observation, maybe he just wanted to see it so bad he saw it. You say, oh, come on, that's silly. Listen, deer hunters, I've seen things that weren't there too. I have wanted to see him so bad. Some of y'all, when the sun's come up, it was Velvet Weekend this weekend, some of when the sun has come up and you've wanted to see him so bad, you just know, there he is. I'm going to get my chance. And you take your bow or your gun or whatever it is and you get ready and then all of a sudden you get a little more light and it's a branch blowing in the wind. Sometimes you get all excited and your heart begins beating fast and your, your, your heart comes up and kind of into your throat and you just dun, 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 and you hear him. He's right over here and he's coming and he's coming and you're going to get the shot and it's a little old gray squirrel. Sometimes they need to be shot too. They're delicious with gravy, okay? Right time of the year. Just shoot them at the right time of the year. You know... Sometimes you see things that aren't there because you want it so bad. Maybe, maybe Lowell wanted it so bad. But, but experts now are saying, in all likelihood, what Lowell was mapping was the reflection of the bulging veins in his own eyeballs. Now imagine spending your career mapping your own eyeball, looking through a telescope, and you want to see it so bad, you begin mapping it out. The reality is... Just because somebody says it doesn't mean it accords with reality. We have confidence because the Spirit of God lives in us. We have conviction because the Spirit of God confesses the incarnate Christ, the true Christ. We have courage because the Spirit of God is greater than the spirit of the Antichrist and Satan himself. That's what he's meaning here in verse 4. Look, you're of God, little children. John writing like a fatherly pastor, you've overcome those false spirits, those false prophets, because he who is in you, Christ, the Holy Spirit, is greater than he who is in the world. And of course, Satan himself is called the God of this age or God of this world, little g. Every true Christian is indwelt by the Spirit of God. And Paul says in Romans 8, 9, that you are not of the flesh, but you are in the Spirit if the Spirit of God indwells you. And now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. One of my very favorite verses. I love this verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Christian, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? I regularly remind my sweetheart that she's got this temple right here. 
I'm the temple of the living God. And she says, yes, Lord, thank you for his temple. Listen, <laughs> not exactly, but <laughs> I'm a kind of a mini temple, okay, it's all right. I like to say I'm fun size, all right? So John is assuring his dear children, the Christian readers, they have overcome these false prophets, false teachers. And he said, look, the one that's in you is greater than the one in the world. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says it this way, reliance on God is the secret of all victory, whether over heresy or any other snare. God, I am confident. I have courage. I am trusting you because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So this indwelling Holy Spirit makes us overcomers. To overcome is used six times in this letter, more than any other book except Revelation, which John also wrote. In Revelation, the word overcome is used 17 times. You know what? You are an overcomer, and it's in the perfect tense, which means it's a past victory, a present reality, and a future reality for everybody in Christ. We have courage because the Spirit of God is greater than all of these other spirits, and even Satan himself. Do y'all remember the little song? We used to sing it many years ago. Greater is he that is in me. Y'all remember that? Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Good, it's a good way to memorize that. That's not the song we're gonna teach you at the end. But it's a great little chorus. It may seem a little silly, because it's like a kid's song, but that little chorus is right straight out of 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I have confidence, and, and I have conviction, and I have courage, and the final thing is, I love this, we have communion with the Lord. And with other believers, because the Spirit of God leads us in truth, and the Spirit of God keeps us from error. Five and six, they are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. See, the world's listening to these false prophets, these false spirits, but we are of God. Christians, he who knows God hears us. He who is not, who is not of God, if they're, if they're, this is foolishness to them, they don't hear us. But by this we know the spirit of truth and, simultaneously, the spirit of error. I believe people are longing for communion. Not just the Lord's Supper, I mean. I mean they're longing for community, connection, coherence. They're longing to belong. I believe this is really the fundamental desire of our world. I want to be in community. And the Antichrist are from the world, and they try to literally pull people into their snare. The Gnostics 2,000 years ago, let me pull you away from the Word of God and the true Christ, and let me pull you into my secret society. No. We don't have a secret society. We have open arms. Because the church is not a hotel for saints, right? It's a hospital for sinners, we're not just keeping the aquarium. We're fishing for men and women and boys and girls. And true Christianity is apostolic Christianity. It's not Bobby Christianity or Baptist Christianity. Sorry, Baptist, but we're not going to heaven alone. It's not Methodist Christianity or Presbyterian Christianity. It's biblical Christianity. It's the faith once delivered to the saints. And what John does here, it's very interesting. He uses the pronouns. He starts in verse 4 and says, you, you. He says, you are of God, little children. Then he says, they. 
So there's a distinction. They are of the world. And then he comes back and he says, now we, we, we apostles, we teachers, we preachers, we, all of us are in this together. So you is different than they, but we are of God. David Jackman says, truth is not just the present consensus of opinion. It is defined by the character of God. And that's a great word. It's not just the consensus of present opinion. It is defined by the character of God. You see, false prophets today are just as pervasive, just as persuasive, just as lethal as those of the first century. They may say the Bible has authority, but they don't want to rest in the supreme authority of the Bible. They may affirm parts of the resurrection, but they don't want to affirm the full deity of Christ because then they know he's got to be Lord of their life. You know, we need to be aware of and alert to false teaching. We cannot be afraid. Those of us who experience new birth in Christ and the accompanying indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we must stand against false teaching. The Holy Spirit leads us into sound doctrine and keeps us on the path of truth. We have no one and nothing to fear. Satan is just a serpent with his head cut off. He has no power over those of us who love the Lord. So what do we have? These four things I hope we've been learning. We have confidence because the Spirit lives in us. Conviction because the Spirit confesses the incarnate Christ. Courage because the Spirit is greater that lives in us than in the world. And greater than Satan himself, we have communion with the Lord and with one another. There's strength in numbers because the Spirit of God leads us in truth and keeps us from error. But I'm tired, y'all. I'm going to be honest with you. In some of what I study and read and research and what I get calls from other pastors, hey, have you heard of this? Have you seen that? I'm tired of the compromise going on. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think the compromise starts necessarily in the pew. I think it starts in the pulpit. It goes beyond the pulpit and it starts at home. But I'm hearing people get fuzzy. And it's been going on a long time, but it is more and more and more prevalent in our age. And I believe if we're paying attention, signs of the times are appearing everywhere. And it would appear to me, based on what's happening here at home and around our world, that God may be bringing things to their close that he speaks of in the Bible. I want to end with, uh, I'd love to show you a movie clip, but I can't. You say, well, you talk about songs, you talk about movies, you never show us. But it's because we'd get flagged, and I'm way too cheap to pay royalties and fines. So we're not going to do that and waste the money of the the, the Lord's money. So uh, y'all, how many of you, by show of hands, and I was very happy in the first service, most had seen it except Pastor Frank. How many of you have seen the movie Independence Day? Will Smith? Bill Pullum, okay, Randy Quaid, most of y'all have seen it too. It's from 96, I think. It was a great film. You remember the aliens were attacking. We couldn't figure out how to defeat them. It looked like humanity would be wiped off the planet. And there at the end of, when, when, before Randy would give his life and all of that, I won't ruin it if you haven't seen it, but... Um, the, the president gets up, Bill Pullman gets up, and he has a megaphone thing and a, um, like a receiver walkie-talkie thing. And he gives this great speech. And as I thought about this, I thought, man, what a speech. The, the troops were rallied. They were excited. They were ready to take on the enemy and save humanity. The president said, good morning. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. 
and you will be launching the largest aerial battle in, this, in the history of mankind. Mankind. That word should have new meaning for us all today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July and you will once again be fighting for our freedom, not freedom from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for the right to live, to exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as a day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. And then the music went, bum, bum, You know, it got really big, and it was great, and everybody went, woo, and then we're going to go take on the enemy. Why? Is the world willing to do that? Or when the ball games start these weeks, why are we willing to go all out? But when it comes to the church of the living Lord Jesus Christ, we cannot get excited and say, you know what? You are not going to shut us up. And false prophets sit down and be quiet because we have the word of God and the spirit of God. We're going to glorify the son of God because we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive and we're going to thrive. And I might add, this will not be our independence day. This will be our dependence day on a mighty God. Dependence on his son. Dependence on his spirit. We have victory in the Lord Jesus Christ and they can try to shut us up but they never will succeed because greater is he that is in me. Y'all stand with me this morning. That's it. Now look, I can't be the only one getting excited about the fact that we are on the winning team around here. There's victory already. I know the scoreboard looks all out of whack sometimes and all the articles come out about ex-evangelicals and they're leaving this and leaving that. Listen, if you really come to Jesus, you can never really leave because you are safe, secure, and sealed in his hand and no one can snatch you from the Father's hand. So get out of here with this, they're leaving. If they're leaving, they were never with us to begin with. Come on. Those who truly know the Lord, those who have been born again in a spiritual sense, we are of God. doesn't make us better. It makes us forgiven. doesn't make us perfect. It means when we fall, he's there to get us up. But I am so sick of this manby-pamby, wishy-washy, goobly-got garbage called preaching where they are not telling people the truth. If you deny Christ, you will spend eternity away from God in hell. If you will embrace Jesus Christ, you will have eternal and abundant life starting right here today. You can say yes to him. You can receive this gift. We want you in the family of God. This isn't some secret closed group. We are open arms as the family saying, come and join us. Be our brothers. Be our sisters. Let's grow in the faith together. Let's learn in the faith together. Let's sing the praises of God together. Please stop watering down the gospel. Go sell something. Don't stand in the pulpit, guys. Stand up and stand out for Jesus. You have nothing to fear. Don't worry about your number of of likes, even your number of attenders. Greater is he that is in me 
than he that is in the world. I want us to do something as we go to the Lord. Three things heavy on my heart. Well, the first is, of course, if you're not saved, what in the world are you waiting for? Are you crazy? It looks like the end of time, y'all. Just get right with Jesus. You get right or you get left. You get sanctified or you get French fried. <laughs> Neil or Peel, turn or burn. I got a lot of them, y'all. Look. Uh, <clears throat> listen, there's flooding in Middle Tennessee. Pastor Kevin will tell you more about what we're going to do to begin helping. In addition to what he tells you, we're going to be doing financial gifts there. We got Hurricane Ida barreling down. We want to love people well, and just as you did post-Katrina, we the church will step up and step out. We will not love in just our tongue. We will love in deed. We will love them well, but we got to be generous to do so. And then my heart is just broken for our military families who've lost loved ones particularly those in Afghanistan this week. Uh, Ryan Naus, his family, they have been to Grace a number of times. They watch us frequently. I'm going to be reaching out to the family this afternoon, and I'm deeply saddened by the loss of one of our own, and I believe 12 others in addition to Ryan, who paid the ultimate price. Uh, I'm sickened and disgusted at the way our police and first responders in this country and even at times our servicemen and women have been treated. Now listen to me right now. If you want a church that's going to get on that political sensitive leftist snowflake bandwagon that's going to deny our boys in blue and our ladies out there, then you're in the wrong place, Bubba. You go find one of those wimps down the road and you go there. But we're going to love our people on the front lines and we're going to honor our military. It's, it's very disturbing to me what's going on right now, but I'm telling you, we need to pray for those citizens of this great nation who are still there, who are trying to get out. We pray for wisdom, and we pray for leaders with some guts. So please, if you feel so led, for Middle Tennessee, it's kind of like Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost, for Middle Tennessee, for the Hurricane Ida storm that's that barreling up the Gulf, and for the military and at the situation of Afghanistan. I would love for you to do what the first service did and just flood this altar with prayers before God. If you're led, as I pray, you can begin to come. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that we are people of truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help us God. Lord, we don't need to water anything down. We don't need to be snowflakes and get wishy-washy. We just speak the truth. Yes, we do it in love. But love doesn't mean we can't be bold and direct and say what needs to be said. So God, I pray that today we would cry out, this is our dependence day. We depend on you. We depend on your word, your son, your spirit. We depend on prayer, knowing that links us with the power of Almighty God. These prayers are truly the conduit through which your blessings flow. And so let your people gather let your people come. Let your people pray for this state, for what's coming down below us, for what's happening across the sea. We love you and we trust you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.